welcome to a special edition of the Chords and Chords podcast. It is your host, Sean Cavanaugh. I'll be riding this one solo as I talk about the weekend's After Hours Till Dawn tour. Saw him over in Tampa, Raymond James Stadium. He famously canceled his arena tour last year because he had something bigger in mind. He wanted to fill out stadiums, and that is exactly what he did. I was a little bit hesitant to think. You know, obviously, The Weeknd is one of the biggest artists, and at the time, you were thinking, oh, he probably fits in an arena, a stadium. To fill a stadium, you really have to have a full production. You have to have a full catalog. Of course, the man has put out many albums, but it's been a short time. You know, he's come up to this space within like a 10-year span, and he's rose really quickly. All those doubts were completely erased. The show, and I'll get through it, go through the set list, break it down, spoiler alert if you're planning on seeing him later and you don't want anything ruined, but... The dude was incredible. It was honestly one of the greatest stage stages of setups I've ever seen. He had a massive stage. And of course, when you get there early, because when we went, it was pouring down rain. So all the openers got canceled. Uh, obviously, it was supposed to be Doja Cat being the opener, which would have been incredible. She's Speaking of meteoric rises, she's blown up in a way where she probably shouldn't be opening for the weekend anyways anymore. She should be headlining her own arena tour. But it would have been an incredible double concert with Doja not even being the opener, but pretty much being almost like a co-headliner. She gets uh, issues, obviously cancels her tour. So the replacements were Mike Dean and Kate Trinata. So I'll start there with the openers before I get into everything that was incredible about the show with Abel. Um, Mike Dean, my brother and I were super excited to see. If you've never heard of him, go look up Mike Dean. He's produced, he's played on guitars and keys. So many of your favorite songs, famously with Kanye West, basically produced like almost all of Yeezus and My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy. Anytime you hear that like synthy sound or like that one specific guitar noise, it's Mike Dean. You go back and listen to it, look it up. There's going to be so many songs on that list. I think there's even a playlist on Spotify where you're going to, oh, Mike Dean did this, Mike Dean did that. He made half of your favorite songs, especially of that era. Uh, Life of Pablo, he's featured on too, and even other artists besides just Kanye. So super excited for him. Rain's out. We don't get Mike Dean. Kei Trinata comes out. Kei Trinata, also another great DJ, really has like his own kind of specific sound where it doesn't really fit. I don't even know like what EDM genre you would put him in. He's kind of doing his own thing where it floats that line of kind of like what The weekend is of like a hip-hop pop combo. But, you know, Kei Trinata is the one producing it. And he's produced for, just like Mike Dean has, he's done stuff with The weekend. He's done... Uh, stuff with Chance the Rapper on, like, Coloring Book. And there's so many beats where you can go back and look like, oh, that was Kei Trinata. Like, had no idea. So two artists coming out in the beginning where they, it's like a lot of those times, especially if you see, like, at a festival or a producer or something, you're like, oh, they did this, they did that, and you have no idea that some of these songs they were a part of because they weren't the main feature artists. So Kei Trinata comes out with his decks and he, like, comes on the microphone. He's like, uh, so really sorry, guys. The rain ruined all my gear. I'm going to try my best just off my laptop. And the dude crushed it because he was just mixing live stems. You know, like that stem player that Kanye tried to release and people like you play the buttons and it can make like your own sort of musical sound off of it. He was basically doing that, but live mixing from his laptop, just straight with the stems, doing it live right there. So it wasn't, you know, like a clean transition. He didn't have his playlist set. It wasn't like a normal DJ set. He was just doing it all live, making up songs as he was going, taking stems from his original tracks, some of his, his production stuff. And it was honestly really, really impressive. He stopped halfway through. He was like, I don't know if you guys know what I'm doing, but this is insane right now. I'm trying my best, but I'm, I'm live mixing right now. And it was mind-blowing. 
So that was the openers. Obviously not what Doja Cat would have been, but still cool vibe. K Toronto was really good. If you see him at a club or something, definitely go. I can just imagine what a real mixed set of his would be like. Just dude throws down. Abel comes out. We'll break it down. We'll just go through the set list. Comes out to alone again. There's so before the show, you could see, you know, the lights are still out, sun's still out. Um the production doesn't look, you know, as incredible. They're still putting the stage together because of the rain delayed some things. And it's just this massive long runway with a B stage in the middle and then like a C stage at the end. And I'd already seen some clips before of photographs of uh, the weekend with, you know, this big giant moon. The moon wasn't there. And I started freaking out. I was like, I specifically got these seats to avoid the moon. Because if you were looking at tickets, if you're going to the show, there's going to be a lot of tickets lower bullet. You're like, why are these cheap? These look like great seats. And it's going to say obstructed view because this giant moon he puts up blocks the view of the main stage in a lot of places. And his production is so incredible. There's like massive towers on the floor that block some of your view in some places. So I specifically got these seats to avoid that. And the whole time I'm thinking leading up to the show, what, where is this moon? Where is this giant moon that I was promised that I paid extra to avoid? And it wasn't there. It wasn't there. And I was like, what, what's going on? And then you look at the main stage and he has like this... Uh, it's basically like this cutout of the Toronto skyline, all damaged as if, you know, like kind of apocalyptic, post-apocalyptic. And it's really cool. And I'm staring at it. And it's just like a little middle mini scale, like something you see at Disney World or, you know, Las Vegas, like like New York, New York Hotel, which just like, it seems like a model, you know, it almost doesn't seem as massive as it should. And then the show starts, the lights hit it and just completely like project onto it. It creates a huge shadow on the screen behind it. He has a massive screen behind it with like some really cool visuals the whole show. And it looked dramatically like I was sold. I couldn't tell. Okay, I was wrong to give this production crap. This stage looked insane. Abel comes out from like, I don't even know where he came from. Just like straight out of a tower, like floating. He's wearing like a Phantom of the Opera kind of mask. Does the whole first song like that and it just like disappears. He almost did it kind of like operatic and then these... Dancers came out with like hooded figures and it was all maybe what's going to be like in his Halloween Horror Nights house. It was all very just like theatrical and had this eerie sense to it. And I remember looking at the dancers like I'm going to have nightmares about those people later tonight because they were just like floating in this way. And then of course his voice right away. You're just like no, this man's voice is iconic. It's really one of the voices of our generation. You know, you look back, people are have an Elvis imitation, right? They have a Michael Jackson imitation. They have a Bob Dylan imitation. There's these distinct voices in music where, of course, there's distinct songs and classic songs, but there's some artists transcend that just because they're, they sound so unique. No one can imitate them, even though they try and try again. And I think The Weeknd is going to be one of those voices of our generation for us because people are going to try and imitate it later. There's going to be weekend impersonators in Vegas like there are Elvis and Michael Jackson impersonators and people will try to imitate it but they won't be able to because it's so unique it's just that high that falsetto that he just moves back and forth he can almost like rap with it but it's still singing and still just so ridiculous and he came right out the gate with Alone Again just blasting the vocals and you knew even though there was a backtrack he doesn't have a band you know Mike Dean is somewhere in there playing live with some other guys they're all hidden behind the stage couldn't really you could hear them sometimes and you knew like oh that's Mike Dean on the keys or on the synths but the band wasn't there it was just the weekend besides his weird hooded dancers who were more kind of just like 
moving. I don't know if it was dancing, you know, they're kind of, it was more like performative, interpretive dance type of thing. Um, so yeah, it's just Abel on the stage by himself and his voice. And you could tell he's just immediately captured the audience crowds going insane. It was wild, right from the start locked in. And then he goes right into the, the perfect, uh, the transition of Don FM, where if you listen to it, just that, that bang, bang, bang off the top where it's gasoline sacrifice. How do I make you love me and take my breath? That transition was just amazing. Then he snuck in, can't feel my face, but it still worked. And that, that right there, I knew like, okay, I already know that these songs transition. Like one, it's one of the best album transitions ever from how do I make you love me into take my breath. But that whole run unreal. So the whole crowd's jumping energy's already right off the top. The mix is there. I'm like, okay, this is going to be a good show. He did the thing. And then I realized it wasn't just going to be that transition. The transitions from one song to the next were honestly the highlight of this whole set. Some of the ways they did it were incredible. So he comes out, he does that run through Don FM, the lights are going, there's a, most lights maybe I've ever seen on a stage projecting from every part of the stage. He's running up and down the runway. He's got the crowd already. You can tell this crowd is going for it. They were singing really loud for Can't Feel My Face. He's screaming out his love for Tampa. He mentioned it multiple, multiple times, just screaming out Tampa Bay. And I know every artist does that at a show. But you could tell it was like really special to him because he even said later in the show how his performance at the Super Bowl, which was at that stadium a couple of years ago in Tampa Bay, that that was really what put him. He was already famous, but that really put him to an incredible another level, put him, you know, where he's at now, where he's the third, second or third most streamed artist on Spotify with monthly listeners put him in the ability to be able to sell out stadiums and football stadiums in uh, the U.S. and be able to cancel his arena tour and put on a production like this. And he said it multiple times how thankful he was and how Tampa had a special place in his heart. And I don't know, he was in Miami right after that. Maybe he does it everywhere, but he's really brought it and brought that energy. And it was right there from the beginning. Next part of the set, he goes into Hurricane. All the lights went dark. And he brings out, you know, Mike Dean's on since again, so that, you know, Kanye production coming from the track from Donda and he's sitting there just in the spotlight with the fog machine around him, hits the chorus. And then the transition from Hurricane into The Hills, even though The Hills is one of, you know, that album Beauty Behind the Madness is, if you talk to a lot of weekend fans, is like the most commercial. It's the most like, oh, that was where people who are, you know, Kissland and Original XO day ones fell off a little bit. And they, they don't really love that album, even though it had a ton of radio hits, this being one of them. A lot of people know the song, even just from movie trailers and stuff, even if they don't know it's The weekend, Didn't matter. That song, the production behind that song, the transition into it was probably the best transition of the show. You have to find it on TikTok. It's, the matching was ridiculous. And the production of The Hills, just with the stage turned completely red, all the lights turned on, everyone's wearing you know those light-up wristbands that are really popular at stadium shows that Coldplay, shout out, were the first ones to do, and now everyone's jumping on board. But all the lights are going red, everyone's singing. And when I say pyrotechnics, I've seen a lot of pyrotechnics. You know, a lot of stages, especially an outdoor show, will have fireworks. You go to a big festival, the headliner gets fireworks. You go to a DJ, you know, they have the air cans, a rapper who usually has some fire. I just saw Kendrick last week. He had some fire on his stage, you know, popping off, but it's in an arena. These were the greatest pyrotechnics, not just pyrotechnics, it was legit an inferno. Coming from the stage, I was lower bowl of a stadium, like 20 rows up maybe. 
and I could feel the heat of the fire. You know, like all those old theme park rides, like an MGM or uh, I don't even know, it was like disaster, whatever the earthquake one was or the backlot tours back at MGM, that old one, or if you go to see Fantasmic, right? You can feel the heat from radiating like on your face or if you're, you know, by a bonfire, that feeling of just like when it goes off and you could feel it. I felt that from rows and rows away. This is how big the fire was coming from the stage. I don't know how the people on the floor weren't in harm's way or didn't just burn up completely. It was insane. So that was song that that transition was one of the highlights of the set for sure. That song was unreal. The energy. Then he goes right into Often. Just a banger. And then he does his little mix, throws in crew love, one of the best moments of the show. Uh, you could tell that a lot of people or later fans maybe, especially not even like the new album wasn't sung as loud. Oh, was, I mean, Blinding Lights definitely is a song that is ubiquitous at this point. Everybody knows. But there was a lot where you could tell that it was like Beauty Behind the Madness kind of Starboy era of the weekend was where a lot of these fans you could tell jumped in. And it's where he kind of blew up, you know, with Can't Feel My Face, I feel was the first one that really put him out there in that way. So going back, he drops Crew Love, just that beat, the <laughs> is one of the best. I don't even know like what that noise is, that percussive noise is just so, com- I think it's like a compressed drum sound with a drum machine. But just that beginning and that chorus is unreal. And the people who were there who knew that song, even my you know little brother who wasn't even, I mean, he was alive, obviously, but he wasn't listening to Drake at Drake's peak. You know, he wasn't listening to Take Care of Drake. He found that later, knew every word. That song hit. Starboy, great transition again from Crew Love was kind of, you know, more just him singing, nailing that hook. And the Starboy was just back to that party. And when I said, like, you could just play the backtrack without even the weekend singing. The backtrack of this and how perfectly it was mixed of this concert was unreal. If you just play that in a club, even though it's all the weekend songs and you're like, oh, it's one artist, no one would get tired. It'd be a great time. It was just like banger after banger. The energy like never stopped. You know, a lot of great concerts kind of have those dips or emotion changes where, you know, an artist will come out and play an acoustic song or, and you'll have this moment and it's all quiet and like those moments are beautiful. Then they end with a banger and it's like those emotional swings, right? The weekend did not do that. It was just party all night. It was, we're going from start to finish, if he took a break, it was like maybe a minute or two where the lights went dim. It was almost song into song into song. Man, never stopped singing. Was just going for it. He was nonstop the definition of like what a pop star, what a rock star should be. Just iconic with his energy. The whole set list was 30 songs. He ripped through it in less than two hours. I still don't know how. It was insane. Never lost his voice control the whole way. Still had that ridiculous falsetto. It was unreal. And then by this time, finally, the moon had blown up. So I remember looking over. I think it might have been during the hills. The moon finally comes up. And I don't know why I didn't think of this. I just, all the pictures, it looked so real that I thought it would be part of the stage. It was just there. Of course, no, it makes sense. It was so big. It was a blow up. I don't know why I didn't think of that. So the moon is blowing up. Finally saw the moon. It lit up really cool. Lights were bouncing off of it. He sung over on that part of the stage underneath it, which probably made something really cool. Uh, pictures as well then just when you think you know shows peaking all he hits just this little run goes through low life or nah which is honestly one of the filthiest verses ever don't play that i remember listening to it when it first came out i was like this song somehow even like an edited version made it on the radio i don't know how 
But just looking back, listening to it, it's like, how young were we when we were just singing every word of this? this? Was this okay? I don't know. But the man has the confidence. I don't know how. You have to have the confidence to not only sing that, but sing it in a recorded way. Sing it in a way that he believes it and that makes even more impressively you believe him. Where he's just singing. So you have to have, I can't even fathom the amount of confidence you have to have in your voice and just the ability of like, yeah, I do this. This is what I do. I'm that good. I'm going to sing about it in the most graphic detail. And you believe him, which is insane. And he runs into Kissland. So that was a nice little cool like mashup. Threw it back, obviously, for the day one exos. That was the one song that even I barely know. But going back where you could tell he's even he's gotten to this level where he's filling out stadiums. He's albums and albums later. He still remembers where he came from, which is really cool because a lot of times, you know, you see an artist get to this level and they don't really play. You know, their set list could be way longer than it actually is because their catalog is built up so much, especially with the weekend. This conference, this concert was evidence of just how many bangers he has. Unreal. That he still mixed in some of the old stuff, which was really cool. Right after Kissland was just right into Party Monster, which might have been one of the highlights of the show. Not a song that I really have any attachment to. I don't really, you know, if I'm listening to The weekend, I don't go back to Party Monster and play it. But just the beat of that one, the mix live was unreal. Then into Faith, which is one of the, I think, sneaky best songs on After Hours. Into After Hours. That whole little three song section was just huge. That's when the laser started shooting that came out. That's when, again, the wristbands lit up in a way they hadn't before. And, you know, you're already like two thirds way through the show and it's still just building and building and he's adding more elements. And you're like, why weren't they using this the whole show? It still was bringing more energy in a way that you didn't think would be able, he could top, but he still just kept building and building. Like I said, an unreal performer. Goes into Out of Time, great vibe, slows it down a little bit, into I Feel It Coming and Die For You, which, you know, those are kind of more where he has those classic weekend Abel falsetto verses where you can't even sing with it. You could try, but if you can, then you should take up singing professionally because those notes are so hard to hit and he does it effortlessly, even though he's been dancing and jumping around for an hour plus. Goes into Is There Someone Else? I Was Never There. Throws it back to Wicked Games. Again, that whole just displaying his kind of versatility of where he can hit you with a song like The Hills where it's just loud, ominous, banging your face, kind of overwhelming into Party Monster, which is a feel-good just club banger where you're kind of moving in a different way even though it's the same artist. And then he gets into, you know, Wasted Times where he did that one acapella and just sang the first couple of verses and you're again reminded of like, oh, this dude, if he wanted to, could just sing whatever he wants he could be a you know if he probably tried and trained some type of soprano operatic singer in a way that has nothing to do with hip-hop has nothing to do with his genre of music just because his vocal talent is that good and then at the end just hits you it was honestly one of the best concert endings the last five songs runs like i said building up to all of this you're having so many moments where you're like, that should have been the song in her. And that's like one of the best times, or at least for me, one of the best ways to evaluate an artist, especially is at this level, is when they, when you're looking at their set list and they have a catalog that's deep enough where you want them to play certain songs where you can come up with a set list in your head and organize it and you hope they end with this one or you hope with, they end with this song. 
and they play a song you're like that should have been the set closer how could they match anything like that and he just ended it with like five string set covers uh, set closers close out with call out my name which is just the whole crowd was singing singing with him really felt the energy there into the morning which is throwing it back to uh the trilogy days you know the original mixtapes my favorite weekend song honestly of all time i was going ham and then the last three hits you save your tears into less than zero into blinding lights and save your tears and less than zero you know have a little bit on if you're listening to them they're not the biggest bangers they're not the biggest weekend tracks of his last two albums obviously they've both done well commercially but they both had an energy live that was felt more euphoric it didn't have those valleys like I was talking about, you know, some of those sadder kind of dark elements that The Weeknd puts in some of his songs. They were just amazing. Less Than Zero especially, too. Everyone was jumping the whole time. You know, that embarrassing concert jump where if you're looking back at videos, people kind of like look a little ridiculous. But if you're in there in the moment, you can't help yourself. But to, just to jump and everyone's doing it in unison. An amazing moment. And then right into Blinding Lights, which is a song that's just played too much. If you hear it in the store, you're like, oh, this song again. But live, so excited for it. All the wristbands are lit up. Everyone has their phone lights out. All the lights are going. He's running up and down. An amazing end. I mean, it is his one of the biggest songs of, honestly, the past decade. So it's only right that he ends with that one, even though it is you know, one of his more commercials and not one that you'll ever take the time out to go play on purpose because it's so, like I said, ubiquitous and just everywhere. But it fit in this moment. Great ending to the show. And like I said, really just wrapped up how you look at your phone and you're like, what, that was not even like two hours, just flew by. Amazing, just reminded of how many bangers he had. You go back and you're playing immediately, trying to recreate the set list. And that's when you know a concert's really good, when you get back in your car and you're, getting through, you're waiting through traffic and you're immediately listening to the songs you just heard because you want to relive that feeling and you're reminded like, oh, this song was so good. Oh, that song was so good. There were so many good moments where you couldn't even pick just one. You're asking your friends that you went with, what was your favorite song? And none of you can have an answer. So you go back and play it and you're trying to find the one. And there's just too many choices to choose from. And that was definitely the show. I had seen him twice before. Once where he headlined Lollapalooza. And then once when he replaced Kanye West at the Coachella this past weekend. And that was a little bit rushed. You know, he only had two weeks to prepare with Swedish House Mafia. Could have been amazing. Weekend one was a little disappointing when he headlined at Lollapalooza I remember that show being amazing being blown away because I didn't have as much expectations because I know it's just him by himself that was you know albums three albums ago as we have before Starboy so to see him from those elements and even you know I know people who have seen him at the House of Blues in Orlando way back you know in the Kissland days and to see where he's gone from that moment to filling out a stadium and being able to do it well no, like I said, all any doubts of can he fill a stadium, can he do this, completely erased. The man is one of the best performers, one of the greatest, and will be one of the greatest icons of music of this generation. He will be remembered. And this is amazing because he's still young enough where there might be another moment of him to grow another album to come in the next rollout where he'll still fill out stadiums again and try and be able to one-up himself. And that's really exciting to see because, like I said, this stage production was just even if you don't like the songs, just watching the show was good enough for the price of the ticket. So that is the review of the After Hours Till Dawn tour. Also, side note, merch, lame. Merch was very mid. 
Don't wait in line for the merch. We got a shirt. <laughs> we were waiting in traffic. Bought a t-shirt that looked kind of legit from, you know, one of those guys who's always at the end for like 10 bucks. And honestly, if you saw it in a thrift shop in a couple of years, you'd probably be like, oh, that was sick. Pick it up. Maybe the quality's not as good, but his merch, way too overpriced. And I'm all for band merch. You know, I just bought a $40 Kendrick shirt. I've paid way too much for a t-shirt before. So I'm not against that. But the weekend merch was there. Whatever. Show, though, amazing. So definitely five stars out of five whatever you want to rate it amazing show go see the weekend if you can that wraps up this special edition of the chords and chords podcast have a good one and see you next time